The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Go Cowboys! This, this is Talkin' Cowboys. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. Street 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 touchdown! Parsons has second. Prescott keeps it and he bangs it into the touchdown. And now your hosts, Isaiah Stanback. Nick Harris, John Mashoda, and Kyle Yeomans. <laughs> hey, Beam, it's a victory Tuesday. Go! Go! Dallas Cowboys! It's a victory Tuesday here on Talking Cowboys, presented by Black Rifle Coffee Company. 20 to 19, the final score on December 30th. In 2023, it is now 2024. Happy New Year, year, everybody. It's been a long time coming to finally talk about one of the wildest finishes in recent memory for the Dallas Cowboys as they take down the Detroit Lions in Week 17. Alongside John Machota, Nick Harris, Chris Beam in the back. I'm Kyle Yeomans. Wow. I, I feel like it's been forever since we've gotten a chance to talk about this on, on Sunday night or Saturday night, rather. You get a whole new start to the year. You get a couple days in between. But then you look right back at how that game concluded on Saturday night, and it's still as wild as it, as it was whenever it happened. I mean, the, the scenario at the end with the two-point conversions, the penalty markers, the final drive. I mean, there are so many talking points with this. But, Nick Harris, I'll let you start. What are your talking points as the Cowboys get it done? Yeah, one of the more wilder wins for sure. I think those last two and a half minutes, um, you know, you really you you looked at an opportunity for Detroit to go down the field and win the game when it was 17-13. And it was almost mirrored as to what they had to face in Miami a week ago. Obviously, they let Miami drive down the field and have that game-winning field goal. Then Donovan Wilson gets gets the interception. You're like, okay, this team is uh, they they're going to seal it. Defense got it done. It felt similar to the Chargers win from earlier in the season when Stephon Gilmore was able to get an interception and kind of seal it there. And then they pass on second down and the tripping penalty, which you know we later find out is not a tripping penalty, but it gets called and it moves the Cowboys out of field goal range. And they have to punt. And then you're looking at. I believe it was, what, a minute 41 yep. that the uh, Detroit Lions had to, to drive down the field and, and potentially win the game or uh, uh, t- uh, tie it up. But you knew, and I tweeted out as the drive was going on, you knew that Dan Campbell was going to drive down there. And if if they scored, he was going to go for two. Uh, the way he had been playing the game all, all night, um, going for it on fourth downs, the fake punt, uh, he was going to go for two in that situation 11 times out of 10. And we saw that. He at least went for it three out of three. So, um, <laughs> yeah, and then that two-point sequence was definitely definitely wild uh, got to credit the defense for just being able to you know stand in on all three of those intent uh, attempts keep the intensity on all three of those attempts um and you know with the ineligible eligible r- receiver or, uh, reporting gosh i've learned so much on that topic in the last three days that i never cared to learn before today or these last three days so uh, definitely interesting but hey a win is a win, and then philadelphia losing uh, everything's in front of this team for the first time in uh, this season it feels like yeah, a wild couple of 24 hours or so, whatever it was between those two games. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, right before we started doing the show right here, we were just talking about, like, Dan Campbell's decision to keep going for it even after the penalty yeah. is what magnifies everything. If they just don't get it, they call the ineligible receiver, you get moved back to the seven. You just kick the extra point, you go to overtime. And, and, and yeah, it's a talking point, but it isn't like, well, the whole game was there. No, the whole game was there because you kept going for it over and over again on two-point conversions like you were some upstart, brand-new college football program trying to upset Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Like, you're the Detroit Lions. Like, you're one of the best teams in the NFL. Just go to the overtime, you know? Like, I don't understand the, their, thought pro- the, their thought process on that. Um, but that's not the that's not the Cowboys' fault. They just needed to win the game, and they found a way to win the game again at home. And that's the thing. Like we talk about this game, the Seattle game. You talk about the blowouts that they've had at home. It just continues to magnify how good that this team is, and how much better their chances are of winning the playoffs when they play at home. So the next day, you're watching that game between the Eagles and the Cardinals, and you're just like, man, the Cardinals are hanging around like the and that would be crazy. They're not going to win this game. They're not going to beat the Eagles. But man, that would be wild because then all of a sudden. Man, the Cowboys have a chance to win the division on their own by just by winning in Washington. And now if they just beat the Lions, they get the two seed. Wow, that would be crazy. And then all of a sudden the Cardinals pull it off and you're just like, how did this how did this happen? Like, how did everything kind of start falling in place? 
And I think the only thing you can point to is just that maybe that jinx being lifted by putting Jimmy Johnson <laughs> in I knew that was coming. It felt like it was a lead up it to it. It was a slow build, sir. It was a great moment, though. I, I mean, on a serious note with Jimmy Johnson going in, I mean, and the, the mic drop at the end, the how about them Cowboys, and getting to see all the faces of the, the different players that he impacted throughout. I mean, we were very close with Nate Newton in the building and, and seeing him get to interact with his former teammates and things like that because of that honor going uh, upon Jimmy Johnson was a really, really cool day. I've seen I've seen some of those tweets come in. I'm sure you have too, and I'm sure Nick has as well, where it's like, wow, maybe, maybe finally you catch a break. You finally catch a team of destiny break, and it happens to be the day that Jimmy Johnson goes into the ring of honor. Uh, but it, it was one of those games that it goes back to Miami. It goes back to Philadelphia. One play can help you win a game, and one play can help you lose a game, depending on how it bounces. Dallas lost that first Philadelphia game because of a couple bounces going against them. Dallas lost against Miami because of a couple bounces or a couple plays going against them. Uh, some are their fault. Some are not their fault. And this was one of those games where it felt like it was teetering on the brink of that again. And it, it ended up being that way. And you, you made the plays at the end to get it done. I want to go back to something that you said, John, about the two-point conversion scenario, though. You you go for it. You, you pull out the best play in your playbook. And the man is called as not an eligible receiver, an eligible man downfield, because 70 checked in. They had uh, one guy check in, 68 was the one that called, caught the ball. Taylor Decker was the one that caught the ball. At that point, you, you mentioned that going forward again put the game on the line, and that was Dan Campbell's choice. Why was that the wrong choice? I mean, I know you end up hindsight 2020, but at that point in the game, you're looking at it and you say, wow, we, we pulled all the stops out, and now we're seven yards back. Why not just kick the extra point there? Because I think, to your point, he went in thinking, we get down there and score, we're going for two. Yeah. Which, and I get, he's probably the most aggressive coach this this year uh, in, in those situations, and, and that's fine. But when you get pushed back to the seven, things change. When mm-hmm. you're at when when you're at the two, you're for this Lion, that Lions team, for the be at the, the two or three yard line, the running game's completely in play with how good they're, they're not running it from the seven, seven. yard line. Yeah. So you know they're going to throw. So really, if if you watch the way that this team played, especially down in the red zone like that, you're really trying to take away Sam Laporta and make them do something else. Like on the last try, they threw to a backup tight end, or they threw to an offensive tackle. Like they don't, they're not that great down there in that situation. I mean, it's really let's focus on Laporta, and you can take everything. When it just got moved back like that, that's just when you're like, hey, it didn't work out. That sucks. You kick the extra point. You go to overtime. You take your chances there. I just think he was just too aggressive there, you know, and it's part of their identity, and that's fine. And, hey, there's a good chance that these two teams play each other again at AT AT&T Stadium uh, in a few weeks. And and who knows? Maybe maybe things are – it's close, maybe not, whatever. But to your point, it just seems like on the road, Cowboys have just come up just a little bit short in those games. But at home – They've found a way to pull those out, and the yeah. fact that you would be able to get to host two playoff games potentially before you'd even have to play San Francisco at San Francisco, somebody else could beat San Francisco, and you could end up hosting all three playoff games. For I think it's a big deal, don't get me wrong. A- any year I've covered this team, if you told me that they could have got the one seed or a two seed, I'd be like, man, that's huge, whatever. But specifically this year, because of the way that they've played at home, that just it means so much more. It'd be hilarious if it's a Detroit Dallas divisional game, considering how long it's been since either of those teams have made a conference championship. Mm-hmm. It, one of those droughts mm-hmm. would have to end at, at yep. the end of that night, and wow. obviously, given what what happened this last Saturday too, so it, yeah. it'd be a fun matchup. Yeah, ninety five for the Cowboys, ninety one for the Lions. Wow, yeah, that would be wild to see those two go at it. The 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 play where he was called ineligible and and that's kind of been the talking point. Nick, what was going through your head whenever that happened? Oh, uh, nothing. <laughs> my my brain was mush. I was just like, okay. I, I tweeted out. I was like, rules, man. Don't ask me. Like that was that was kind of how I felt about it. Um, I I, I talked to a, a a good friend of ours, uh, Kyle Yeoman's guy Frazier after yeah. after the game. Um, because he's he's a officiating nerd, and so I, I kind of picked his brain on this whole situation. And from his perspective, even if Taylor Decker had reported correctly and they had had that situation figured out correctly, it still would have been an illegal formation as far as, like, too many guys on the line, guys covered up. That's a lot of stuff I don't understand, but that's what that's what was communicated to me. Um, from my perspective, what I think happened there was the, the Lions were trying to confuse the Cowboys by having three 
guys go up to the white hat and um only one of them report and they were trying to confuse the dallas defensive line i think in doing that they confused the officiate uh, mm-hmm. the officials and Absolutely. it just confused everybody in the building and whenever they said over the loudspeakers that 70 had reported that should have been uh dan campbell's opportunity to be able to step in and be like whoa, whoa, whoa wait it's supposed to be 68 that's you know, not the play and, yeah. Uh, yeah that's not the play or or whatever somebody uh, people were saying he should have called a timeout there he didn't have any timeouts but still i think there's something that could have been could have been done if it was an officiating mistake and i knew whenever the, the taylor decker caught it i was like he wasn't the one that reported this is this yep. can't be this can't be right and i didn't see a flag and i was like well, wow okay so that's gonna stand and then i see the flag come in super late and i was like oh that must be unsportsmanlike or something like celebration and uh, figured out that they put two and two together and uh, got the illegal touching and that's what adds to it it's the delay on the flag yeah Yeah. as soon as that ball hits his hand the flag goes up it it takes a lot of this away but when you have that crew that obviously since that game has ended people have dug up how many other games that they've been on it's it hasn't been great Mm -hmm. there's other calls in that game that were not great so when you do that you're gonna you leave this window open for everyone to second guess what went on if you throw it immediately like no we know that that guy's ineligible it's like they let him celebrate. I'm, one of the things I will always remember, maybe the thing I'll remember most from that game, is just because there were so many Lions fans there, is that in a 15 seconds, 10 seconds, like just to see the difference in fan bases completely lose their minds, and then they stop, and then the other fan base completely loses their minds <laughs> yep. because the flag comes out, and they're like, this is an eligible receiver, like where you couldn't even hear the officials talking because you know the Cowboys fans got so loud because they knew exactly what that was. Because let's be honest, you, I would say most people that know football that were watching that game in attendance or on TV thought for sure when that happened, well, they're just going to kick the extra point now. I don't think most yep. people thought that, oh, they're back at the seven. They'll try. So I don't know, is there another penalty? Maybe 15 more yards. You guys <laughs> going to try it again? Uh, yeah. So. But I was down there, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, shooting. And the first flag I saw came from the down judge from our sideline. From that, the Dallas sideline. From the Dallas sideline. That was because that was the sideline that, that was illegal formation. Mm. So that came right away. Now it was in the, it was kind of in the bunch of it because she threw it in there into like where all the linemen were. So that's the first one I saw. Mm-hmm. And then the back judge who was back at the back of the end zone went up to the referee and asked him, like, you could see, what number did you say? And then he's like 70. Mm-hmm. They looked. Or he's like, well, that was 68. And then he threw his flag down. So that's the two flags I saw. No, that's really good. That, I mean, we were all there. We weren't on the field. So Beamer was right there, got a good good look at it. I think the part of it, too, is this was a buildup. There was a buildup to that play because throughout the game, they were reporting linemen eligible. And 70 was the lineman that they were reporting eligible all day long. Taylor Decker was the guy who they continued on the loudspeaker. We were sitting in the press box. You're you're kind of doing your thing, but you hear it every once in a while. You didn't ever really think much of it, but I remember sitting there a couple times and thinking, okay, 70's eligible. Let me just watch and see what happens here. Nothing would happen. And then it got to the point where, like you said, Detroit was trying to confuse things, and the official probably looked back, saw 70 in the huddle, and was like, yeah, you know what, 70, there you go. Like, that's who's eligible, and then it, it, it turned into a downfield there. Uh, yes, there were bad calls both ways. It wasn't just this call. It was the tripping call on the dr- Dallas drive. The tripping call is one of the worst that. calls I've ever seen in my life. It was life. an incredibly terrible <laughs> call. Not, yeah. I'll put it up against whatever you want to put it against. Yes. When you watch the replay of that, it's so not even close to being a tripping at Hendershot. Uh, I just don't think that... Unless you see something for sure, you don't throw a flag. You don't, ah, uh, it looks like somebody tripped, let's throw the flag. No, you have to definitively know. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm of a person that believes that you do that on the first play of the first quarter of week one, much less in a big game yeah. that could ultimately have impact on who's the two and the three seed in the playoffs. Like, you got to see that stuff, for, and there's no way anybody saw that for sure. There's no way, because it's not even close. To and honestly, looking back on shot. it, this might be a hot take, but I don't even throw the flag there on Hutchinson. Like, yeah. It, it, yeah. he was kind of, like, pushed out, and yeah, his leg kind of extended, but... I believe it was Pollard. Pollard was already past those two guys by that point. So I, I don't know. It was it was mind boggling to me as well. I just I also you think about the the just the thought process of tripping in general. I mean, are, are you going to get called for tripping against your own team? Is that a penalty flag to, to trip your own your own guys? I mean, that's yeah. kind of like just common sense to a certain extent. I know you can get called for tripping other players, and that's probably what the call was. Is that she thought. Uh, or the official thought, I, I forgot who threw, threw, threw the flag, but they thought that it was Hendershot that tripped Hutchinson, even yeah. though Hutchinson was the one that tripped Hendershot, and that just 
They saw a leg out. And and it was cool, but you got to know exactly whose leg it was before you throw the flag. And if you don't know whose leg it was, you just don't throw the flag. You let them continue to play. And if you miss the call, then you miss the call. Let's talk about what happened after that, though. It's kind of from that penalty forward, that was a 15 yard penalty enforced to the Detroit 29 yard line. And then it was the two minute warning. Next play, following the two-minute warning, Dak completes a pass to CeeDee Lamb out to the 33-yard line, 11 yards. Timeout from Detroit. That's their second timeout. So they've got one more remaining. Next play, the deep ball to to Brandon Cooks on the right sideline. Incomplete. Clock stops at 155. Were you okay with that call trying to drive the ball down the field rather than hand it off? And at least kill another 40 seconds because Detroit would then have to have their third timeout burned. And then you would at least – there's 40 seconds more off the clock. You run it down. I mean, Detroit got it with 141 left. Instead, they would get it with around one one minute left, maybe even less than that. Yeah, I mean, I get them trying to take a kill shot. I didn't like it at all. Yeah. I would just run the clock. And especially, again, you're playing at home. You have the crowd on your side. You know, defense is playing pretty well. It's not like the Lions are moving the ball up and down the field. Um, yeah, I, d- I didn't like that at all. I don't think that anybody involved in that play likes it. Looking back on it now, you know, <laughs> hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. But even in the moment, Mike McCarthy was asked about it in the post game press conference uh, that play specifically, and uh, he said that they wanted to go with the sure thing there, uh, or they felt like that was more of a sure thing there to to try and get the kill shot. Hmm. So I was thinking back, I was like, so the running game, not the sure thing. Okay, noted. Yeah, that's <laughs> something to note too. Jerry Jones talked about that a little bit this morning as well. When we come back here on Talking Cowboys, we're going to catch you up on what Jerry had to say, a little news and notes in the second segment. Plus, we've got a special caller calling in at some point here in the next couple minutes. We'll talk to him in a couple moments with more Talking Cowboys right after this. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Black Rifle Coffee Company serves premium coffee to people who love America. When you drink Black Rifle Coffee, you are directly supporting veterans, law enforcement, and first responders in your community. Black Rifle's expert roasters love coffee almost as much as Texas loves football, so it makes sense that America's Coffee partnered with America's team. Go online at BlackRifleCoffee.com and fuel up with the official coffee of the Dallas Cowboys. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com to fuel up today. Cowboys fans, after that move, we've just coined the term Rowdy Replay. Let's roll back the tape. Okay, there's our mascot, Rowdy, cheering on the boys. And now he's on his phone, on his Bank of America mobile banking app? Staying on top of his finances with his virtual financial assistant, Erica. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive, Cowboys fans just can't stop banking. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash can't stop banking. Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app only available on select mobile devices message and data rates may apply member fdic welcome back into dear doctor the show where i answer life's questions with an ice cold can of dr pepper sheila let's hear from my next caller would you dear doctor my friend supported me during a tough time but what's the right gift that says thanks for being a soldier to cry on okay this one's easy i say give her a delicious dr pepper nothing says thanks girl better than a -a one-of-a-kind soda Yes, any Dr. Pepper flavor will do. Now, just a reminder that I don't need to be a real doctor to know that Dr. Pepper is the one you deserve. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back to Talking Cowboys. Back here on Talking Cowboys. Shoot us a text message while you have an opportunity. 817-290-3298. If you have any questions over the ending scenario of that 
football game between the Cowboys and the Lions that took place on Saturday night. What ended up happening there? Or if you have any questions moving forward into what the playoff picture looks like, we're going to answer some of those here in a couple of moments. But first, let's check in with some news and notes from one Nick Harris. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so two injuries that we're taking a look at going into the week. Uh, one with Tyler Smith, uh, the Taurus plantar fascia that was confirmed with uh, a more imaging on Sunday. Um, it, honestly, it's, it's a good thing. Uh, with those plantar fascia injuries, if you get a complete tear, then you can heal on those a little bit quicker. You can play on those while um, you know you go through that rehab process. And that's kind of the expectation that they, that they hope that they'll be able to do with Tyler Smith. So you would think, okay, just keep him out this week and then, you know, him for the playoffs but yeah. there seems to be a little bit of optimism that if he has a good week as far as managing pain that they'll be able to put him on the field on Sunday in Washington and it, that's not an injury that he could further mess up it's it's done it's he has a torn plantar fascia he's gonna have to have surgery on that probably in the offseason or more rehab on that in the offseason um, there's nothing that they can do about it right now but the good thing is there's nothing worse he can do about it right now so it's really just about managing his pain moving forward uh, we'll see what that as the week goes on I don't expect him to practice on Wednesday I'd probably expect at the very earliest they try to do some things with him on Thursday that's just me theorizing um if he can't go then it'll probably be TJ Bass back in at, at left guard which um you know I asked um uh, offense coordinator Brian Schottenheimer yesterday about TJ Bass and just his development as the season has gone on and they really like what he's put together he's they're not treating him like an undrafted rookie by any means I mean if you think back to when Tyler Smith had to miss a couple of games early in the season it was Chuma Idoga that was uh, plugged in at left guard now it's TJ Bass, and they're comfortable moving him from right guard to left guard and being able to keep that consistency. So honestly, I, I'm completely okay with letting TJ Bass work at left guard against Washington, just in case if you need him against uh, anybody in the playoffs and you have a little bit of um, a little bit of experience there from the end of the regular season. Man, what? that Schottenheimer answer to your question is one of my favorite answers because I just like it when coaches give you or players a little bit more behind the scenes. Yeah. In the way he, he used an example of like being in one of the offensive meetings and. Like they'll try and put younger guys on the spot, like knowing different, like in different scenarios, different offensive calls and stuff like that. And he and Schottenheimer purposely wanted to kind of catch Bass off guard and threw out some questions that really he probably only would expect like the quarterback to know in these certain situations. And I guess TJ just rattled them off in like so much detail that like the whole room like erupted and started clapping for him because they couldn't <laughs> believe that this guy would know all this stuff. Like I just love when yeah. when they That's when awesome. I, I love the behind the scenes stuff of things like that. And I understand where the coaches and players come from. There's a lot of stuff that hey, this is behind the scenes. We're not going to share this. We're not supposed to. The one that I always talk about is like when we're at training camp. Anytime there's some type of a scuffle, it's like we all start tweeting right away. Yeah. It's like, How many of those do you think it happened during the season out there when we can't even watch practice? And yeah. it's like yeah, it's a Tuesday, you know, yeah. like. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I thought that was a great answer to that. The, the going back to Tyler Smith, though, I will say I don't know if you had this feeling, but man, when he was on the ground, the way he like wasn't moving and grabbing like the back of his like foot and ankle area, it's one of those where just there's a few times per year where my eyes immediately go to the cart to see like are the people moving around? Are they about to bring the cart over? Because it's like right down the line from where we are in the press box. And I was like, this looks like because he's not putting any weight on. And then when they started helping him off, I'm like, yeah, maybe. And then you saw him walking around a little bit on the side. And I'm like, all right, maybe this isn't, you know, they said he's questionable. They're not ruling him out. That was the call in the press box. So to find out that this is what it is, uh, that's that's dodging a huge bullet there. You know, because that's the thing, like, I, I kind of took from McCarthy yesterday. When he's talking about where the team's at and stuff like that. And I always said the number one thing, you know, going to the playoffs would be health. You know, that's the number one thing that you want that more than anything. And, yeah, this team, obviously, you'd love to have Trayvon Diggs and Overshone. Yeah. We've talked about but. But they're, this is a pretty healthy team, you know? And, if yeah, you might have to overcome a little bit of a Tyler Smith that being 100%. Um, but they're in, they're in pretty good shape right now. I, I When it initially happened, I thought it was hamstring, just yeah. given what yeah. had happened earlier in the season. And it kind of looked like he was going at the back of his calf or uh, upper leg. But it, whenever they said over the intercom that it was foot and questionable, I was like, okay, I think they may have dodged a bullet here, like you said. Uh, moving forward with injuries, Jonathan Hankins, uh, as as we know, he's missed the last three games with that ankle injury that he suffered against the Eagles back on December 10th. Uh, there seems to be some optimism that he can not only get back on the practice field tomorrow, but play on Sunday. Uh, they want him back on the field before the playoffs. They want to get him back uh, going with reps on the field. Um, if you ask me right now, I, I think Hankins goes on Sunday, so there, there's quite a bit of optimism in the building towards that. Yeah, a couple of text messages kind of filing in back and forth, but they were talking about TJ Bass has a lot of potential. Things like that, I think, add to it. Not only is he showing on the field, hey, he's capable of filling in and doing a really nice job, but also um, 
contributing in the in the locker room and in the the team meetings as well. That's huge. Uh, still, yeah, lots of questions about what it looks like from a, a Jonathan Hankins standpoint. Jerry Jones sounded pretty optimistic about it today as well. He said yeah. that that was kind of part of the plan. Is initially it was Detroit, but whenever it wasn't Detroit, it was a, a chance to see him kind of in doubt the regular season, maybe on limited snaps against Washington. What Jerry said that stuck out to me is he said all hands on deck. So that's kind of the mindset going into this week against Washington. Yeah, really quick on Hankins. He had a really good workout yesterday. Mm. Um, uh, it was an individual, and then uh, they hope to get him back on the practice field tomorrow. That's that's kind of the expectation right now. I would expect it to be in limited reps, though. And when you just start looking ahead to <clears throat> Sunday, like, it looks like it's going to be like in the 30s, could be raining a little bit, might be some snow in, in Maryland mm. for that game. And so love that you could kind of see it turning into where if you can stop Washington's run, then you would probably be in pretty good shape. I mean, the Cowboys are pretty heavily favored here, but still like after seeing what they did to Washington last year, you know, it, I th- it would make a lot of sense if Hankins can go. I think you, you need him to play in this game just because of everything that's on the line. Such a big difference between the two seed and the five seed. Yeah, 1, completely different, especially yeah. now that you have it in hand. Right, right. <laughs> this this feels like a playoff game, not maybe yeah. not because of. Maybe the team that you're playing. I mean, it's an NFL team. You can't lo- overlook anybody. But it's more so about what's at stake because it, it, it completely feels like you're setting yourself up either for success or failure one way or the other in the playoffs whenever you come down to it. But you win, you're in as the two seed in the NFC East champions. All right. It is a talking Tuesday. Give us a call, 888-855-2297. We'll talk to some of the fans on the line. Nick, what are you, what, what are you making a face for? I think we should not go to the phone lines today. well let's go to our first caller this is the uh the president of purple okay. the man who wears washington t-shirts far too small for him zeus in nola it is isaiah Stamback on the line what's up buddy that's right <laughs> what's up y'all what's going on why, why man, do you I'm... sound so happy man you know what kyle i woke up this morning you know uh you know, I had my Black Rifle coffee this morning. I had my, you know, my, my Super Trusted Superfoods this mm-hmm. morning. So I'm just pretty good. I'm on my way on my drive back from uh, from New Orleans. You know, I spent a couple of days there yeah. uh, over the last over the, over the last little bit. And um had a late night last night. I don't know if you guys saw, you might have caught the game on TV last night, but... Uh, mm. It was it was a purple rain last night. Hey Nick, how you doing there? What's going on, man? That was a hell of a game. I, I'm jealous that you got to see that one. And gosh, I I had kind of conceded in my mind whenever they were down. What was it, 13 with four minutes left, and then they had a shot to win it there at the end. It kind of felt like the Cowboys Eagles game from earlier in the season. Yeah, I didn't like it at all. Uh, <laughs> my, my, my wife was pretty much tired of me because my my color commentator hat came on. Uh, uh, probably. At the end of the third quarter, and I started telling her about time management and, and how to manage the game and what what you know Washington should be doing with the ball and all those things. She was she was kind of over me, but then toward, towards the end of the fourth quarter, she understood what I was talking about. You know, a quarter before that, I was like, "Yeah, this thirteen point lead is, is not good because as an opposing team, you feel fully confident that you can score, get the ball back, and all you got to do is score to win the ball game." And they sure enough played out that way. They worked their way down there and. Luckily, you know, the one second got put back on the clock and our guy, our quarterback, made a play, but that game was entirely too close. It should have easily been a, as much of a blowout as it was a close game. But, you know, it really comes down to game management and decisions, um, just like we just talked about it in the Detroit game. You know, it's just, you know, every, every decision matters, man, when you're playing those, those highly touted, highly competitive games. There's just some family in section 106 uh, sitting right in front of you that's just hearing you in early in the fourth quarter. You know, if Jabbar Muhammad just plays better to the shell coverage behind him, then Jordan Whittington doesn't get that reception. Hey, it's funny you say that because literally, I'm t- as I'm talking to my wife, there's literally somebody behind me in the row behind me, and there's like an older lady who like is just like sitting down the whole time because there's too much going on, and they're both looking at me and just like nodding their head as I'm talking through <laughs> all the different situations. <laughs> They probably appreciated the insight, honestly. Now, with with you being a Washington legend yourself and playing your collegiate ball with the Huskies, I mean, how many autographs did you sign down in New Orleans throughout the week? Did you did you sign one or two, or did the whole Smoothie King Center and the whole Caesars Superdome uh, hit you up for an autograph? You know, a lot of pictures, man, a lot of uh, appreciation from fans. I, I really appreciate the support. Um, it, it, it's crazy because you're so far removed in terms of years, but uh, you know a program like ours that is so, you know, from at least from you know from my standpoint, so historic and 
I'm, I'm a Seattle guy, man. There's a lot of people who remember you and supported you, and I just kept telling people thank you for the support. And it was, mm-hmm. it was just awesome to see the whole, you know, the whole Seattle really come down there and and hold it down in New Orleans because they were. I'll tell you what, them Texas fans, they came through deep. There's a lot of doggone burnt orange around there. So shout out to their fan base for supporting as well. I'll, I'll tell you, Isaiah, it was a hell of a game. Uh, I'm happy. I'm happy it went that way. I expected that kind of brawl, and I just want to let you know I'm joining the dark side for the game against Michigan next week. Go dogs! Let's go dogs! Hey, listen up, man! I plan on bringing you guys all some necklaces or something that you guys. <laughs> I'm going up to that second floor with Brittany Johnson and Derek Eagleton. I've been hearing a lot of UT stuff over the last few weeks, but you know what? It's all good now because it's, it's doves over 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 M's all day this week. So here's here's the thing, Isaiah. Houston's a lot closer than New Orleans, so I expect you to drive down after Talking Cowboys next Monday, and then you got to be back up here for Talking Cowboys uh, <laughs> on Tuesday, no matter what. So I, I know you're going to go. I know you're making the trip, but if you're if you're making yeah. the trip, you got to be here for both Monday and Tuesday shows. You know what? I think I think the game plan is definitely for Monday. Tuesday, <laughs> I don't know about that. We got <laughs> win or lose. Tuesday is going to be a tough one. All right, Zay, be safe. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. All right, fellas, y'all be good. There he goes, semifinal champion Isaiah Stanback. Yeah, if Isaiah's still listening, uh, you can stop at this uh, little rest stop in Natchitoches, Louisiana. It's a, it's a German um, uh, a rest stop. They got like a ton of German food in there. It's incredible stuff. You can get like a little, uh, you know, kolache or whatever. You kolachnik. don't know them. A kolache? Kolachnik. Yeah, a kolache. A kolache? Yeah. Uh do you know the name of it? I don't know the name of it, That's but it, it is the spot in Natchitoches. I, so, like, if you get off and you just ask for the German place, then they'll point you in the right direction. What is the? Is, I thought there was like a place called like the Czech Stop or something like that. That's, that's in West. West. Oh, that's West right. between Kama, here Texas. and Waco. <laughs> West Comma. I got you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that's actually a... uh, very cool because they put the comma on their uh, high school football uniforms because it's, oh, like, okay. it's very important that you have the comma West yeah. Texas. West Comma Texas. I was yeah. torn watching that game yesterday though because I was like. I felt for you guys, the, the Longhorn fans, mm-hmm. but then also I was like, man, Isaiah would be so happy if this happened. <laughs> and then, and I also factored in with, who, which one of these teams got the best chance to beat Michigan? Because I don't want to see Michigan win it. <laughs> and just the way Penix was playing, I'm like, well, yeah. if he plays like that, then I don't think anybody can beat them. But then there was another part of me where I'm like, well, then who's played like that in multiple games? And I mean, I guess you could say Joe Burrow probably did yeah. in mm-hmm. 2019, but it's just tough to have like multiple games like that with everything riding on the line like that but it i mean it should be it would have been huge regardless the one thing i i thought would have been wild to see is texas being in houston yeah to play that game and just how many fans would have been there well imagine the texas. the brands of texas and michigan True. playing each yeah. other in in houston so it would be a texas advantage for sure but what about you what, it, what, what, what how were you feeling what i was just a college football have? fan i really was i i didn't have any rooting interest for the most part i i don't have any ties to any of those schools but I, i've always been a huge fan of the rose bowl just in general i love the rose bowl same if, if there was a top five event for me to get to call one day no doubt the Rose Bowl's in that top five. It would be up there with a Super Bowl, uh, a World Series, Final Four, NBA Finals. I don't even – like it's the Rose Bowl's probably two or three on that list actually because it's just one of the most incredible venues in sports. But uh, the the brands and the teams – I mean, I think the best player in college football, and if I had a Heisman vote, it would have gone to Michael Penix. I think he is an incredible player. And – I, I tweeted this out last night, and I'm sure you probably saw it, but a little spoiler alert for the draft show. I like Michael Penix Jr. a lot more than yeah, most draft it. analysts. I think he's incredible. Is he QB1? I'm not going to spoil that just yet. But is he up there on the list? Maybe two, three? Absolutely. He's a top three guy for me, but he's he's really, really good. He's got a little bit of an arm angle thing that some people are going to point out. That doesn't bother me. He's a baller. Yeah. He's so good. Uh, but... With that being said, we can talk draft after the Cowboys win the Super Bowl. So when we come back here on Talking Cowboys, we're going to take a deeper dive into that Detroit-Dallas game. If you have any questions, give us a text, 817-290-3298, or hit us up on the Talking Cowboys phone line, 888-855-2297. More Talking Cowboys right after this. 
They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. Are you ready to take coffee off your grocery list forever? Black Rifle Coffee Club is here to help. As a coffee club member, you'll get your favorite coffees roasted, packaged, and shipped to your door free of charge on your preferred schedule. Set it, forget it, and never run low on coffee again. Members also get exclusive deals on coffee, products, and discounts from partner brands. Ease your mind and let Black Rifle worry about your coffee supply. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com to join the coffee club today. It's the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black. And right now, Cowboys fans can get 15% off their $75 order. Plus, because every deal needs a playmaker, your order will include a free five-piece skincare set and free shipping. The Jack Black Playmaker is four of Jack's favorites and a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Make a play for the playmaker at GetJackBlack.com slash Cowboys with the code CowboysVIP. That's GetJack black.com slash cowboys with the code cowboys vip todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable and now todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour but the good news is todd has at&t 5g that is fast reliable and secure and he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew at&t 5g fast reliable secure it's not complicated 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Back to Talking Cowboys. Back here on Talking Cowboys, presented by Black Rifle Coffee Company. This portion of the show is brought to you by Quaker Oats, a super-trusted superfood. Quaker Oats, the official oatmeal sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys. It's also brought to you by Invisalign, the official smile of the Dallas Cowboys. Back here with Nick Harris, John Machota. Chris Beam in the back. I'm Kyle Yeomans as we break down this Cowboys-Lions win 20-19. The first text message I just saw that popped up says, is the NFL rigged? Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> you got us. Darn. Mm-hmm. For God. what reason? I don't know. It's yeah, every just, reason. It, every it's, reason. That's, it's like a standalone. The, the, I mean, te- the text before that says, Tyler Smith injuries? Question mark. <laughs> with, with all of the friends and family that I have that are Detroit Lions fans, it was real easy to just fire back when anybody asked me about, like, man, I just think this stuff could be rigged. You know, Jerry paying off the rep, you know, any of those type of things yeah. like that. I'm just like, you think maybe if that stuff happened that maybe they'd put that team in the Super Bowl once since 1995. <laughs> like, what a script you're running here. If they, I mean, honestly, like, if you were going to rig it, you'd at least put the Cowboys in the Super Bowl once every 10 years minimum just because of how big of a deal just, it would be. Yeah, the numbers, that pure numbers of it makes all. no sense to me, but whatever. Uh, this is a really good text message from the 703. Can the Cowboys make a deep run with the state of this offensive line? Yeah, absolutely. I, <laughs> this is the most random thing I saw the other day. And it was, it was, uh, you know, I'm looking at, I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that everybody knows that the Cowboys want to get the ball to CD lamb and they're still getting the ball to CD lamb. And it just seems like it just gets crazier and crazier. But if you look at Brandon Cook's numbers, it is wild how, if he has 20 or more receiving yards, they have not lost. When he has had less than 20 receiving yards, they've lost every game. Hmm. Like, it just, I do think that when you watch this team this year, I just feel like Cooks has just continued to get, be yeah. more and more of the offense. And so, because of that, if they had not had that number one, or sorry, number two receiver kind of emerge, and you're just kind of leaning on, like, you know, in the past would be like Zeke and, and Pollard in the running game, and then maybe one wide receiver, I'd feel a little bit differently. But I just think that. I think there's just more that you can even get out of Cooks than they've got so far. And I think that outside of Tyreek Hill, 
you, there's not a wide receiver playing better than CeeDee Lamb, and no. you could put him in that same conversation. So because of that, that's the only reason why I would say, yeah, I still think they can, even with the offensive line. Yeah, it's kind of previewing my Nick at night that I have planned for tonight. Um, it's deep diving into Brandon Cooks. I, I think there's a lot of reasons why this team can make a deep run. I think Brandon Cooks is one of the most important. Uh, but, yeah, it plays into the offensive line as well. I, I think this, this offensive line has been able to uh, build some chemistry, build some consistency with all five guys up front. And, and this past game, up until Tyler Smith got hurt, you could see a little bit of that. Um, I, I, I'm fine with these five guys going into the playoffs for sure. I don't. I, I think that's far from the biggest concerns. All right, let's go to Champ in the 308. Quick pop quiz. Where's the 308, oh, I'm, Nick I'm Harris? I'm bad with area codes. Yeah, I'm you sorry. should know this. Nebraska. Uh, I, why would I know that? I don't know. I just figured <laughs> that's like some of the random knowledge that you would know that. It would, that is something I would. Champ, what's going on? You're on Talking Cowboys. How's it going, guys? What's on your mind? Well, I got a statement and a question. I'm a longtime listener. I love the show. I wish Isaiah was there, but I'm sure he's listening. He's listening. I guarantee you. So <laughs> my statement is I'm not going to apologize for that penalty being called on Detroit ever. Mm -hmm. None of us should. The Cowboys have gotten hosed over the years many times on these weird penalties. You go back to the year that we got called for 12 bit in the huddle in a playoff game when Dak, I, I can't remember if it was Dak or Romo, was off to the side. We didn't have the 12 bit in the huddle. Um, the Green Bay penalty on, on the line last year, the receiver, Nobody made a big deal about it until Kansas City this year. Mm -hmm. So I'm not apologizing for what happened to Detroit. We, they have their opportunities to win the game. They didn't take them. We won the game. Mm. My question, though, is how did you feel after the game, before Philadelphia lost? I personally was a little discouraged. I didn't think the team had everything it needed to get to the ultimate goal this year. But after that Philadelphia loss, everything changed for me. I feel like we have the potential to host two playoff games, potentially the NFC Championship if somebody upset San Francisco. What, where are you at then, after the game, and after Philadelphia loss? Champ, we appreciate, appreciate the, the call. The time, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate the call. Great question. Uh, who wants to start? Yeah, that was a great call because it kind of played into my thought process as well. Um, uh, coming out of that win, you look at it and you're like, okay, they were one two-point conversion away from this just being Miami all over again. Yeah. Uh, you allow a late score. Uh, they drive down the field. Quick game. Killed you once again. And you lose a game late that you should have won. Um, and uh, you, you kind of look at it and you're like, okay, there's a W, but you're still the five seed. You're going to have to go on the road and probably play a Tampa Bay team and then probably a Philadelphia team and there's just not a lot of confidence in that three and five on the road and then I think things kind of flipped it was that yesterday day before yesterday I don't know mm -hmm. what day it is anymore uh whenever the uh whenever the Eagles lost because now you're looking at potentially two home playoff games um you get to play the seven seed to open up it, it obviously got to handle business this weekend and then um you get to avoid philadelphia and san francisco in the second round most likely if everyone handles business as far as higher seeds and stuff go so yeah i'm, I'm with you 100 champ i'm just looking at the bigger picture when all that's going on and it's the okay so clearly the ravens and the niners are on, on a different level if you talk about afc and nfc after that the cowboys are right there with everything else yeah. and and that's now with that it was more for me with seeing Philadelphia lose. It's it's the losing four of the last five when you thought that that was going to be one of the teams that would be so tough to go through. And then the fact that you go from the five to the two, you get to play multiple home games potentially. Uh, because of that, I mean, like I said, the only – if I was predicting right now, like who's got – or saying like who has the best chance to get to the Super Bowl, I mean, I would put the Ravens at one. Niners at two. I put the Cowboys with every other team that's in the NFL. There's not another team that I would say, oh, no, no, they got clearly a better chance against Super Bowl than the Cowboys yeah. do right now. And really, it's just because of that. And the two compared to the five with how this team's played at home changes everything. So Yes, it does. You know, yes, I get it. it there weren't a lot of style points in, in them beating the Lions, but the Lions are, this isn't like a typical Lions team. This is a, this is a good football team. And so I, I look at just getting that win, getting to 11 wins, as long as you take care of business against Washington, that's another three consecutive 12-win seasons. You just keep knocking on the door. You get to be the two seed. There's just a lot to be excited about with that because, 
I just don't take what happens in individual games. Go, okay, well, this is a season now. It's such a week-to-week league. Just get into there and and, and have the home field, and, and who knows what happens, you know? So uh, I think they're in a great spot. Yeah, you guys know I do a lot of college basketball. It just reminds me of survive in advance. Yeah, That's exactly what it is, is survive in advance. You survived. You got the win. And speaking of college basketball, I had a great conversation a couple weeks ago, and this is I, I promise this does relate because I feel like every week I've seen it since we had this conversation – uh, head coach at, at North Texas, his name's Ross Hodge. He's a big Cowboys fan. At the, the professor, same time. yeah, he's awesome. Uh, <laughs> love Coach Hodge. North Texas had a three-game losing streak. This is a program for for college basketball that's been really good the last couple of years. Just won the NIT, Damn been right. in the NCAA tournament. They they had a three-game losing streak for the first time in a couple of years. And I asked him, I was like, what? What is the mentality? What is the mentality right now? Because you you haven't been losing, but but you have been these last three games. And he said, you know what, they were all by a combined like 11 points or something like that, something weird. And he said, no matter what happens, the way you got there is still the same. The way you played is still the same. The problems are going to remain the problems. The strengths are going to remain the strengths. The only thing that changes is the way you feel about it and your record at the end of the day. That's what these last two games have felt like for me for the Dallas Cowboys is the Dolphins. You, you didn't have enough offense. Your defense played well enough to win that game. But you lost. You didn't feel very good about it. What happened in the Detroit game? You didn't have enough offense, and your defense played well enough to win that game. But depending on one or two plays going in a certain direction, you feel much better about this Detroit game than you did about the Dolphins' loss. And, yes, winning and losing, there is a difference. But I think it was amplified. You already felt pretty good about, hey, you're at 11-5. and You got to win over a really good team. You're able to build a little bit of that confidence going into the playoffs, but you didn't necessarily have the style points. It's amplified significantly now that you get a chance to play at home twice in in the postseason. That completely changes the whole outlook of the entire season for the Cowboys if they can continue to win, defeat Washington, and then take that two seed. I'll also say uh, something we haven't talked about. We were robbed of something. Uh, in that Lions-Cowboys game. And that was if the two-point conversion does stand, there's still like 23 seconds. I would have loved to see what distance they would have marched Aubrey out there to try and get the mm. win. What do you yeah. pick up, two, three, first time? I mean, they're marching him out there at 70. Yeah. And yeah. Just you had two timeouts left, right? Right. Yeah. I just... Huh. I mean, you, you don't want I think that I'm, situation. I'm okay. I don't really want to see that, but it would have been interesting. To Could see. you imagine? Can you game? imagine if he gets a 70 yarder to win that game? Even if it's like 65 plus, yeah. and he wins that. Oh my gosh! Hmm. Oh Appar- my gosh. Apparently, Aikman walked up to him pregame and asked him what his what his range was. And he said, said Plano. No, he yeah. said he looked him in the eye and goes about 70. <laughs> yeah, you know, nothing crazy. Like, All right, like, Troy. <laughs> ten, ten yards behind the star. Just the, the, the <laughs> optics of that, watching it from the yeah. press box would have been wild. That would have been nuts. That'd be awesome. Uh, real quick, let's go to Mike in New York, our final call here on yes. this Talking Tuesday. What's up, Big Mike? What's going on, guys? You guys know I listen to the show all the time. I, uh, me and my cousin, he lives in Jersey, and obviously he's a diehard Cowboys fan, just mm-hmm. like me, and we were texting over the game. And, you know, my biggest concern, and you guys know, I've said it many, many times before, I'm going to say it again, a clock management's got to be better. Come yeah. on, McCarthy. Like, come on. What, what's up with the two minutes? And come on, let's let's run the ball. I mean, it's, it's, my question is not for nothing. Is Tony Parr is – Already is Pollard all right as running back? I mean, I mean, I know he's not having the best season, but it's like I mean, I mean, our clock manager's got to be better. Completely agree, Mike. Appreciate the call. I think Mike needs to be immortalized in Mike. this show. Uh, I think we need to clip one of those come ons. Come on, like yeah. I just need one of those back there, Beamer. Just whenever you get a chance. Uh, what do you guys think about that clock management and then the run game? I think two concerns coming out of that Detroit win. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit already. I, 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 you look at that second down throw on that final drive, and and you know the the comments after about how that was more of a sure thing. It's it's wild. Um, um, three straight games that this team has not rushed for 100 yards. Uh, credit to Bobby Bell on the fan this morning saying that's the first time it's happened since 2013. Wow. Um, there's got to be something to find in the running game, whether it's integrating Rico a little bit more, integrating Deuce Vaughn, integrating CeeDee Lamb. I, I mean, keep going. Yeah, whatever you got to do. <laughs> Pull back. Whatever, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe Hunter Lipke a little bit. I, I'm, I'm kind of standing off my. my... Don't, don't encourage him. I'm sorry. <laughs> Look, it's, it was a tough week a couple weeks ago. I'm on timeout for Hunter Lipke. Um, but it, it, you just got to integrate more weapons I think I, I think if you can get more guys more touches then you find a little bit more multiplicity in the run game that's just me though I mean I have concerns about the run game no question I mean it's hard to 
predict that they're going to win multiple playoff games without Tony Pollard having a big game in one mm-hmm. of them. Um, but I just, I don't, I just, I still think that they're just scratching the surface on what they can do in that passing game. I, I don't think that they've met that yet with what they can do with Cooks and CeeDee Lamb. And so because of that, I think they can overcome some things. Um, but it is a concern because I just don't see it. I, I, mid-season, whatever, I was already at the point where I'm like, I don't see this all of a sudden. Just, oh, just keep giving, plugging away. It'll eventually click. It's kind of been what I've thought of the run game all season long. Like, yeah. it just isn't. It isn't going to be the strength that it's been in the past, but yeah. you're just going to have to win in, in, in different ways. And, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Everybody wants, you know, Micah Parsons and a great run game and, and a franchise quarterback playing at MVP level and a star receiver <laughs> playing at an, an elite level and all this other stuff. But it's like, not a, no one no one really has that. So, you know, you're going to have to find different ways to, uh, to win games. I just think where yeah. they're situated at and what they have on this team, yeah, it's not perfect, but they have enough there to win multiple playoff games. And I still think it it could happen. It's not like it's a, it's a foregone conclusion that it's the running game is going to be dormant throughout the playoffs. They they have the pieces to to have a big game. It just hasn't happened yet. Uh which is, is discouraging, but I don't think it's impossible at the same time. I completely agree. Final question before we get out of here. This is from the text line 919 says, "Hey guys, great show. I get home field being a big talking point." However, am I the only one that thinks the round 1 matchup is harder against the Rams or Seahawks? than it would be against the Bucks. He knows it's at home, but still, I, I think this is a valid question. Yep. I want to see what you guys are thinking about this. Yeah, I, I actually had kind of a similar thought uh, earlier this week. Rams have been playing really good football recently, and, and the Seahawks obviously have been playing really well, too. I think it's the Cowboys. got beat by the Steelers this week. That, that was like the For one sure. anomaly. Uh, but the Steelers there. are a good team, too. I mean, that's that's a that's a tough team to beat, uh, no matter who you are. Uh, I think if you're a Cowboys fan, you're rooting for Green Bay to be able to uh, take that seven spot this week, which in order for that to happen, you would need the Niners to sit their starters against the Rams and the Rams to go ahead and win that game and get the sixth seed. So I think the Packers is probably the best matchup that you have there. And the way that happens, Green Bay wins and uh, the Rams win this week. I would agree with the Packers thing, even though I know there's probably a little PTSD with Cowboys fans. <laughs> yeah, there definitely is. Aaron yeah. Rodgers isn't uh-huh. walking through that door, though. <laughs> it, it, it's tough. I mean, outside of just being able to avoid San Francisco, that would be my number one if you're just listing things. Yeah. Number two is just get home field without. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I just – I've never I've never seen this team play so well at home. Like in terms of, I know they're not blowing out everybody like they were earlier in the season, but they're just they're just a way better team. There's just more confidence with the way that they play. Everything about it, I, I would, you know, every ten out of ten times, I'd pick whatever the home field advantage yep. is that round. That whatever we got to take there, that's what you take. And it also plays a factor going into the second round. Instead yep. of going on the road against Detroit yep. or going on the road against somebody else, it it. it completely upends everything else yes you got to win the first game first i completely agree and i think being at home helps you in that regard too i would take it goes back to what you said early in the show and i think this was a phenomenal point right up off off the top is the fact that any other season playing at home i don't think it's that big of a deal for the cowboys specifically but this year it matters Mm -hmm. it absolutely matters and it does change the way i think Cowboys fans should look at the playoffs moving forward. And they've got a chance to wrap up some early home field advantage with a win against Washington on Sunday. Sunday, 325. They always wait until the last second to schedule this. But Sunday, 325 is the matchup between the Cowboys and the Commanders. We're going to break down the Cowboys' defensive matchup tomorrow. We may uh, we may take some more calls as well. We didn't get to a ton of them today, but uh, I, I want to see what Cowboys Nation is thinking going into this week because this is a big week, the final week of the regular season, then it's playoff time in Texas. For Chris Beam, John Machota, Nick Harris, I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long from Talking Cowboys. The Cowboys beat the Lions 20-19. to We'll see you tomorrow. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?